The reading is taken from Luke 23, verses 26 to 43. As the soldiers led him away, they seized Simon from Cyrene, who was on his way from the country, and put the cross on him and made made him carry it behind Jesus. A large number of people followed him, including women who mourned and wailed for him. Jesus turned and said to them, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me. Weep for yourselves and for your children. For the time will come when you will say, Blessed are the childless women, the wombs that never bore and the breasts that never nursed. Then they will say to the mountains, Fall on us, and to the hills, Cover us. For if people do these things when the tree is green, what will happen when it is dry? Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the Skull, they crucified him there, along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching, And the rulers even sneered at them. They said, He saved others, let him save himself if he is God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine, vinegar, and said, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was a written notice above him which read, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence? We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, Truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. Good afternoon, everybody. I come to you straight from the United Nations. Uh, actually, it was a model United Nations that took, part, uh, took place in our local school this morning. Uh, I was uh, in a debate arguing that our little town of 10,000 people should receive more refugee children. And about 350 year 11s uh, were spending the rest of the day debating whether this was a good idea or not. Uh, one of the participants in the debate uh, was very clear that we really shouldn't be having those kinds of people coming to our very nice little market town. Who is welcome? Who is welcome in our life and who is welcome into the kingdom of God? Seems like a good week to be speaking about this. Uh, A week when it's presidential to describe certain countries as being cesspit countries. Is that an acceptable way of describing what was said? Who is welcome in the United States and who isn't? But what about the news this morning as 650,000 Rohingya uh, refugees are, are finding out whether they're going to be repatriated back 
to Bangladesh, uh, from Bangladesh to Myanmar. Who is welcome? Who is in and who is out? These are huge questions for our world and I guess huge questions for us as well. It's a question I come across a lot when I'm training social workers. My, my charity exists to try and find homes for vulnerable children through fostering or adoption. And when Christians come forward, uh, social workers often assess them and uh, we spend the day trying to help social workers understand how Christians operate. Um, it's interesting, uh, when I ask people their initial reactions when they hear the word Christian, they often say words like judgmental, homophobic, bigoted, narrow-minded, hypocritical. It's interesting those are, are really negative words, those are the negative perceptions that people have about the Christian faith. I wonder why people think those things about Christians. I wonder why they think we might be judgmental and uh, narrow-minded. What is it that's giving us that kind of public reputation? Is it a fair reputation for us? For me, I'm struck how different the public reputation of the church is from that of Jesus. In Luke's Gospel, and we've been studying Luke last week, we'll do a bit this week and a little bit next week, um, Jesus is known as someone who welcomes sinners. In fact, that's the label that Jesus' enemies put on him, as if it's an insult. But Jesus is very happy to own that. In fact, he tells some of his most, pa- most famous parables in response to that criticism that he welcomes sinners and eats with them. In fact, all through Luke's Gospel, Jesus is spending time with all the wrong kinds of people, whether they're tax collectors like Levi or Zacchaeus, Uh, whether they're strangers from foreign countries, Jesus is willing to spend time with those that the rest of society rejects. It's interesting, isn't it? When I want to impress somebody, even this morning I tried to tell you I was with the United Nations, I tried to impress you by my company. And the more high-ranking the company, the more uh, respect I think I will get. But God seems to operate in a very different way. God describes himself as a father to the fatherless and a protector of widows and orphans. Jesus describes himself as a friend of sinners. It's not below God to associate with those that society rejects, and it can't be below us either. But the passage we looked at today is probably one of uh, the most treasured parts for most Christians of the Bible. It's the moment in which Jesus dies for the sins of the world. But even in death, we learn something about the company that Jesus... Uh, keeps. I don't know if you noticed that the whole world seems to be against Jesus. Um, the crowds, even as Jesus is dying, are mocking him uh, because he's failed to deliver on their expectations. Uh, the rulers, probably the religious rulers of his day, are sneering at a man gasping for breath. And then even one of the criminals who only can breathe by pushing himself up on the nails through his hands and his feet is using his last few gasps of life to mock and condemn Jesus. And in in the middle of that kind of maelstrom of malevolence, there's another voice, a minority report on what's going on. And strangely, it's another criminal that's understood what's happening. Just want to spend a few moments thinking about three things that this criminal recognises about Jesus that we all need to recognise too. And they all begin with S, because I'm a good Baptist. The first is, this criminal recognises Jesus' solidarity. Have a look at verse um, 40. 
but the other criminal rebukes him. He rebukes the one that was cursing Jesus. He says, don't you fear God, since you are under the same sentence. This man recognises that Jesus is going to be, uh, has been killed. He's under the same sentence as these two guilty men. Jesus is connecting. He's um, walking in the shoes of those that are absolutely at the margins of society. It's strange, isn't it, that Jesus, when he was born, he was born into poverty. The first visitors, according to Luke's Gospel, are shepherds, often distrusted by wider society because they were often nomadic. But Jesus now, as his life comes to a close, is in the company of criminals. Jesus is not ashamed to go where the need is greatest. And as Christians who walk in his footsteps, we must also be willing to walk where Jesus does. The second thing that this criminal recognises is the sanctity of Christ. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence. We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Everyone else in that scene has a standard that they've set, and they're measuring Jesus up against it. He's not the kind of king we want, say the soldiers. He's not the kind of religious leader that we want, says the sneering um, Pharisees and Levites. He's not the kind of Messiah we want, say the nation. Jesus fell short of their standards. But somehow this criminal recognises the sanctity or the holiness of Jesus. This man has done nothing wrong. Instead of comparing Jesus with his standards, this man compares himself with the standard of Jesus. And actually, that, that's a really good exercise. Once we do that, we realise that we're all fallen short of the glory of God. Often I like to compare myself with other people who are doing a little bit worse than me. It makes me feel a little bit bigger, a little bit more acceptable. But the heart of the Christian faith is to recognise that all of us have fallen short of God's standards. But here comes Jesus, stepping into our world, standing in solidarity with us, and bringing his sanctity in a really dark place. The final thing that this man recognises is the sovereignty of Jesus. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. It's a strange thing to say, isn't it? Jesus is dying on a cross. The next few hours will be torture for all three men. And yet somehow this criminal has recognised that Jesus is about to enter into his kingdom. I don't think he thought a rescue mission was being planned. They weren't going to take Jesus down from the cross and install him as the new king of Jerusalem. I think they realised that Jesus was going to die. And it was in his death that Jesus was going to inherit his kingdom. Somehow, mysteriously, this criminal recognised that Jesus was the king of heaven. That's so important, isn't it? Because for many people, they, they want Jesus the saviour. They want Jesus the one that will get us out of difficult problems. When things go wrong in our lives or in our world, we'll pray to Jesus. A new report just this week came out from Tear Fund. Over half of our population pray. But often it takes a tragedy for us to pray to God. This man recognises, yes, he's in need, but he recognises Jesus is more than just a saviour. He's also a king that deserves to be followed. And here's the interesting thing for me. At the end of that, Jesus now speaks. Jesus answered him, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. I remember when I got invited for Christmas dinner 
at my girlfriend's house. It was a big deal, wasn't it? Who you invite for Christmas dinner means whether you're in or out. And somehow I passed the test. I was an acceptable boyfriend to bring home to mum and dad. And I'd like to say, yes, it worked out well. We are married 24 years and it's still going okay. Seven children later, we're still happy. But it was a wonderful feeling to have that invitation that I was acceptable and I was allowed to be brought into the family. I didn't fit, I was the wrong race, I was from the wrong social background, but I was acceptable because of the love of my girlfriend. Well now here Jesus says, you, self-confessed criminal, a criminal worthy of a capital offence, I'm getting what my deeds deserve. He's Jesus' plus one as he comes into the kingdom of heaven for his inauguration day. This is the man that Jesus wants in his company. I find that incredibly encouraging. Once we measure ourselves up against Jesus, we all realise we've failed. But if Jesus can offer grace to this man, he can offer it to anybody. Whatever your circumstances, whatever your history, whatever you're currently in, Jesus comes to offer us grace. That same offer could be made to you as it was made to this man. Now I wonder how that criminal felt after Jesus said that to him. Well let me tell you, I think he felt pretty bad. Because in a few hours his legs were broken. His legs were smashed so that he couldn't push down on the nails anymore and breathe out. It was a way that they tried to speed up the execution. What was this man's life like after he became what we could call a Christian? Well it wasn't easy by any stretch of the imagination. Becoming a Christian is not a promise of a a gilded life. You're going to just walk on a bed of roses. It isn't like that. But in the pain, in the difficulty, I love what Fiona said, we have a God who's standing alongside us. I bet that thief clung hard to the promise of Jesus. Today you will be with me in paradise. Maybe you're going through something very difficult at the moment. Maybe you need to know again. This is the promise of grace from our wonderful King, Jesus. Who is welcome? Turns out, self-confessed criminals dying on a cross. They're welcome into Jesus' life, but ultimately into heaven. Who is welcome into your life? And who is welcome into your um, heaven? We believe in a God that's willing to welcome anybody. If you're a Christian here today, then this message must be explosive. It's viral, isn't it? I can't keep it to myself. It's too good. You know, I found out that Waitrose were doing mince pies for 10p. I told everybody I knew it was too good to keep to myself and I couldn't eat that many mince pies, although my son is trying. 14 boxes so far. When good news, when you discover good news, you have to share it. When you discover that there's grace, even for the worst of us, it's got to come out. It's got to be let down. So may I pray that as you do your work here in this wonderful building, that the grace of God will travel with you, that you'll see opportunities to share this incredible news with others. But last week we said becoming a Christian isn't just getting reconciled with God. It's changing the way that you relate to other people too. And we see in Christ here a willingness to associate with those who are on the outskirts, who are the marginalised, who are the undertrodden, who are the rejected. And I guess that's a challenge for us too, isn't it? Even in the busyness and the pressure of our lives, Jesus models to us that when he is in crisis, there's still grace to be shared with those that are in need. 
And so friends, in the busyness of your life, and I know how important your work is, where are the people that need to experience not just the words of grace, but the reality of grace through you? Let me pray for us as we come to a close. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you stepped out of the beauty and glory of heaven. Thank you that you got involved in the mess and the muck of our world. Thank you that you weren't too big for your own boots. Thank you that you had time for children. Thank you that you had time for the outcast, for the leper, for the sinner. Lord God, we thank you that you have time and space for us. Thank you for your grace. That means even though we failed, you welcome us into your life and into your kingdom. Lord God, would you give us that same grace to share wherever we go. Would people say of us, as they said of Jesus, that we are friends of sinners. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.